Well, good morning. Tell you what, the first two services is a little stressful because you have to be done at a certain time before the next service starts. But this one, there's no service after it, so you can just go. Isn't that how it works? I think that's what Pastor Tim told me. <laughs> uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, my name is Craig, and as Pastor Tim said, I am me and my family are uh, missionaries of yours that you guys have sent out. 15 years ago, it's a long time ago, 15 years ago, we uh, work in Asia Pacific. And uh, as you guys know, um, some of you know, uh, we have planted a church there. And uh, we're excited to see what God's doing in that, in that church. We're so thankful to you guys for the part you guys have played uh, in our ministry. Prayers, finances, I, everything. You guys have really blessed us, and so we thank you so much for that. Um, as you know, some of you know, uh, it was about a month ago that we were able to share with you guys uh, specifically about our ministry and, and all that has happened in the last three years. Uh, so we have that piece of the puzzle, I guess you can say. And, and now today, I guess I'd like to share with you guys just some things that, we, that I have been learning, that my family has been learning over these last three years, because with everything that has gone on, um, God has had a lot of opportunity to teach us many things in our lives. And so... Um, this is just some of the stuff that, that I have been able to learn that I want to pass on to you guys. Um, some of those things, I guess to start off, I, I think of uh, some things that I want to see in my life personally, and I, and I know you do as well. Things like having peace in adversity, uh, joy in tough times, perseverance in trials, love for enemies, triumph over temptation, uh, victory over sin in our lives. Uh, I know as believers... We want those things. And so what I want to talk to you guys today about is, is helping us understand that these are just not things or concepts that are out there that can't be grasped, but, but they are able to be obtained in our lives. That we can experience these things in our lives as believers, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to look at the, um, the first letter to the Thessalonians, so that first Thessalonians, we're going to look at chapter 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's just 10 verses. Um, but as, as we look at the book of First Thessalonians, I, I love the Thessalonican church because the history of Thessalonican church was that it was born in a lot of uh, adversity and it continued on in, it, in the life of the church through a lot of persecution. And it reminds me very much uh, to the church that we have planted in Asia Pacific, born in adversity, much suffering, much persecution. But the thing I like about this church is what Paul says about them in, uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. He says that because of the things that they're going through, because of the suffer, suffering and the persecution and everything that's going on in their lives, it says that the, the word of the Lord, that the gospel was ringing out from their lives to people everywhere. And I think, man, what an awesome testimony. I think as believers, we would, we would say that we want, all of us want that in our lives. That, that the word of the Lord, that the gospel would ring out from our lives to people everywhere. The Thessalonians were being triumphant. They were having victory in their lives. And I think that's what we all want in our lives as well. So just to give you a little bit of a background of, uh, of the Thessalonican believers, where they came from. Um, you can find this in Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 16. I'm not going to turn there. You guys don't have to turn there. But just to give you a, a short synopsis of, 
of how the church was born. Basically, Paul and Silas, they go to the church of, in Thessalonians, or they go to the, the city of Thessalonians, and they present the gospel. They go right, you know, they beeline right for the, the synagogue like they always do. They present the gospel. It says for three weeks, uh, three Sabbaths, they go in and they present the gospel to the people there. And some get saved. There's a good response by some. But of course, like always, the Jewish leaders, they don't like it. They get jealous. And so they rise up against Paul and they, and they cause trouble. Um, not going to go into all that, but basically, essentially, it, it must have gotten heated enough to where the believers in Thessalonica, they sent Paul and Silas away in the middle of the night. So Paul and Silas, they go to the city of Berea. They present the gospel in Berea. People get saved. The leaders in Thessalonica, they hear about it. They don't like it, so they send people to Berea to hound Paul and Silas to get them to stop preaching. Paul and Silas, they have to leave for, uh, flee from Berea as well. So that's just a short synopsis uh, of what happened in Thessalonica, but we see from that that the church was born in adversity, that there was much persecution and suffering, and we have to keep that in mind as we read this passage. So let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, and I'm going to read that. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The thing that I love about how Paul starts this out, and this is kind of going to be one of the key aspects that I'm going to talk about today, is in verse 2 he said, we give thanks to God always. So Paul sees the things that are coming out of the Thessalonian believers' lives. He sees the work of the Spirit. He sees the, the fruit that is coming from their lives that we're going to look at here in just a second. But instead of saying, thank you, Thessalonian believers. Man, you guys are doing a good job. Thank you. He says, I thank God. Why does he do that? Because he knows God is the source. He knows that everything good that was coming from their lives, the strength that was coming from their lives, was directly coming from the source, was coming from God. And so he says, no, I don't, I don't thank you. I thank God for what he's doing in you. In verse 3, in verse 3 he says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul looked at the lives of the Thessalonian believers, there were things coming from their lives. What does he say? He says, steadfastness of hope, a work of faith, labor of love. These things that were coming from their lives, where were they coming from? 
in the NLT, I kind of like how it ends it. it I, I feel like it clarifies it a little bit more. He says, these things are coming, the, the things that you have, because of our Lord Jesus Christ. These things were flowing out from their lives because of their connection to Jesus. Because they were connected to Jesus, these faithful works, these loving deeds, this enduring hope was coming out of their lives. It was evident in them. Those things weren't earning their salvation. Don't get that wrong. They weren't earning their salvation. Their salvation came as a free gift of God. But once they received that free gift of God, the Holy Spirit began working in them. And these deeds started coming, pouring out of their lives. And Paul was seeing those things. I can't tell you guys enough how much we have seen that uh, in the village where we work, among the people we work with. Man, when we first taught them, they came from such a legalistic background. They came from a background of trying and trying and trying and trying to be right with God. They would try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. They couldn't do it. Well, of course they couldn't do it. They had no power source. They had no ability to live a life that was right before God. But then they came to, to hear the gospel and to understand the gospel, and their lives began changing. As the Holy Spirit came to live in their lives, they began living changed lives. They began doing some things that it's like they didn't, even, they didn't even fully understand how they were able to do it. They began loving each other like they'd never loved each other before. They began loving their enemies as their enemies were slandering them and persecuting them and mocking them. They were showing love for them. And there, were, there was times where they were like, yeah, I don't know how I'm doing that. Who's the Holy Spirit? There were things that we hadn't even really had time to teach them about out of God's Word. Things about being less complaining, thankful, a thankful spirit that started coming out of their lives. We have stories, Shelly and I have stories of, of, of them showing thankfulness. They are, the people we work with are not thankful people. They actually don't even have a way, they don't have a word to say thank you like we do. They're not thankful people, but thankfulness started coming out of their lives. Where did that come from? It was from the Holy Spirit. He was working in them as they, were, as they were staying in God's Word, as they were searching God's Word, learning God's Word, as they were learning about God's heart and what God wanted to do in them, those things started pouring out of their lives. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in, in chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Where he says, For we know, dear brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only with word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. As Paul was teaching the Thessalonians, he realized that it wasn't just his words that were coming out. It's what I pray is happening today. I pray that it's not just my words coming out. And we saw this as we work with the people that, that we've ministered with. It wasn't just our words coming out. Paul said it wasn't just with words, but it was the Holy Spirit. The reason you guys believed, the reason you guys understood was because of the Holy Spirit. We saw that happening in our ministry. I remember getting up and I remember getting ready, not getting up, but getting ready to teach the people we work with for the first time. And man, it was intimidating. It was overwhelming to, to teach somebody in their language. Talk about getting a lot of uh, critical advice. 
I remember sometimes, uh, I remember sometimes I would make a mistake as I was teaching. They would just, you know, everybody's not nice and quiet like you guys. They would tell me right there, ah, you said that wrong, stupid. Thank you, appreciate that. It was intimidating. And their hearts were, their, their hearts were so hard. They had so much spiritual baggage. 30, 40 years of hearing mixed up, messed up, wrong teaching. And I remember thinking, God, how is this going to work? I, mean, I know you're powerful, God, but how is this going to work? Because you're trying to work through me, and I'm not powerful. So, man, I just remember being overwhelmed. And I remember writing a letter to myself, and I still have that letter. And this is a little excerpt from that letter to myself. It just says, I just want to write this now so that in the future, whatever happens with the choral work, I will be able to look back at this time and remember that whatever happens was totally God and nothing of me. That's the fact. It is really all God. We were blown away by what God did in our ministry there. It was amazing to see him work, and I can tell you, it was not because of our fancy teaching or our great illustrations or anything like that. It was 100% a work of God. If it hadn't been, it would have just been words coming out of my mouth. But it was a work of God. 100%. It wasn't 99% God and 1% me. It was 100% God. It was amazing to see as God worked. You know, if it had been because of my great teaching, then shouldn't everybody have gotten saved? And if it had been because I was such a lousy teacher, then shouldn't have nobody gotten saved? But some came to Christ and some didn't. And we watched that happen. Like, honestly, we could almost... You could almost physically watch it happen as we talked with people and we're, we're seeing the, the light come on in their eyes. And it was a work of the Spirit. We know that God's Word tells us that nobody can come, from, come to Christ except that the Spirit draws. Nobody can come to Christ unless the Spirit draws that person. So I believe that our first and foremost responsibility as believers is not to go out and preach the gospel. That's essential. But our first and foremost responsibility as believers is to get down on our knees, to cry out to God for everything in our life. Get down on our knees and cry out to God and ask Him, God, help me. To live a life that glorifies you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would flow out through me today. Each and every moment of every day. Say, Lord, give me the desire to want to live for you. There's a lot of days that we don't even have that desire. Give me the desire to share your word. And when I do share your word, Lord, work in those people's lives. Lord, we need to be on our knees I'm not talking, you don't have to be physically on your knees. We need to be crying out to God each and every day because that is where our strength comes from. 
we do that, guys, we start crying out to God to empower us, to work in us, to make us more like himself. He does it. He begins working. He begins moving. And Paul talks about that in verse 6 of the chapter we're in. He says in verse 6, And you became imitators of us and the Lord, and you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So the Thessalonians, they received the gospel. They became believers. And what happened? Persecution. Suffering. The NLT says severe suffering. That doesn't make sense to us in our American mindset, you know. Wait, what? They received the good news and it brought suffering? That's what happened. And not only did it bring suffering, but it says that they received it with joy. It's like, what is wrong with them? How are they able to do that? That doesn't make any sense. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. See, when we're, as you're thinking through these things as I am right now, and we say, man, how are they able to endure that suffering and persecution with joy? It makes me wonder, do we really understand the power of God that lives in us, those of us who have trusted in Christ as our Savior? Often I think we don't. A common phrase that we hear often is a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, which is a true statement. Very true. But a lot of times it's like the emphasis is you can kind of hear it in the in the words. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. We focus on that. Yeah, I'm a sinner. That's true. That's true. We're a sinner saved by grace. But guys, do we understand that we are now seen as children of the King? That we are seen as holy and righteous in God's sight, clothed in the righteousness of Christ? That we've been adopted into the family of, of God? That we are indwelt by the by the Spirit of God? As the, the people that we worked with, as we taught them through the book of Ephesians, we came to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, where Paul is, is, is praying for the Ephesian believers. And I can see Paul, the, the way he writes this to me, and, and maybe this, is, this could be totally wrong. This is just my perspective on it. But I see Paul just being like, pulling his hair, just being like, guys, do you understand the greatness of God's power in you? And, and, I, and I ask you guys the same thing today. Do you understand? Do we understand? Because Paul goes on and he says, that the power that lives inside of us, this is the same mighty power that rose Jesus from the dead. Crazy. Like, 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 back up a little bit. I remember having to do that with the core of people. Like, let me say that again. Because they were kind of just like, yeah, wow. Like, no, 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 no. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is where? It's in me? It's in you? Wow. When we come to that understanding... 
we've got to stop telling ourselves that we can't do that. That we can't love like that. That we can't be bold like that. That we can't have victory over this sin in our life. That we can't give up that sin. That we can't forgive that. Guys, we gotta stop telling ourselves that. Because in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. And I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about in your power. I'm not saying try harder, work harder. I'm not saying that. Give up on that. Don't, don't do that. Give up and get down on your knees and cry out to him. And he can do it in you. And he will work in you. All things are possible to us now that for those of us who are in Christ. And so in light of that, Paul tells the Thessalonian, Thessalonian believers, you receive the message with joy, even in spite of severe suffering. They were suffering, but they received it with joy. And it was because of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. It was a work of the Spirit of God. It was the fruit of the Spirit coming out of them. So as we look at that, look at that, we gotta. I, I want to back up just a just a hair here. But remember, as the Thessalonians received the gospel, what did it bring? Go ahead, you can say it. Suffering. Persecution. Wait a second. What? The good news brought suffering, persecution. Sometimes we have a hard time with that. Which is funny, because Jesus taught about it a lot. And, and I, I say that to you, but even for myself, I remember teaching the, the people we work with, teaching them on this, about this, you know, the gospel brings suffering, brings persecution, but kind of not really understanding fully how true that was. Jesus tells us in John 15, don't be surprised when the world hates you. Why? Well, the world hates our God. The world hates our Savior. The world hates our Master. So if, if the world hates Jesus, and yet it loves me, that math doesn't add up. What's wrong with that picture? And I would say, to be honest, for some of us, maybe it's because we don't have the Father we think we do. I think we need to look at ourselves very seriously because just coming to church, doing the works, that's not what saves us. Have we come to understand what Jesus has done for us and accepted him as our Savior? That's an important thing to ask ourselves. But, and this isn't just something I have a tendency to say, but I think, but that's not, that's not it. Jesus says that if we are followers of his, and the world will hate us. If we are children of the king, then the people that hate the king are going to hate his kids as well. We saw this happen in the area where we work. And I remember many times feeling 
honestly feeling bad as they went through this persecution and suffering. Their families were just like, oh man, so much strife. And I, and I have such a good family. We have such good interaction. And I think of the strife that came into their families and how hard that would be in my family. And I felt so bad as families were torn apart. And I remember thinking, trying to reconcile these two ideas. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. We're about ready to come into this season of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And then yet, at another, in another sense, Jesus said, well, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. It's like, wait a second. This is it in a nutshell. Jesus did come to bring peace. Or, Jesus did bring peace. He brought peace between God and man. And he did that. But when we experience that peace between God and man, those who don't understand, the children of Satan, will begin persecuting us. And that's where the sword comes in. That's where the strife comes in. And Jesus knew that. He knew that those of us who were going to follow him were going to experience persecution. And so are we ready for that? Or do we experience that? And again, I'm not, I'm not advocating like, you guys need to go out and make some enemies so people get mad at you and persecute you. It's <laughs> not what I'm saying. But I want to ask some honest questions that I ask of myself. You see, for the last three years, we, me and my family have endured a lot of persecution. But you know what? When I got back to the States, I don't experience any persecution. And I have to ask myself honestly, why? Why is that? And it, it's a very hard question to ask ourselves. And it's, it's I don't like asking myself that question, but I, I am asking that. And, and so if it's going to be a hard question to ask myself, I might as well make it hard for you guys too. And I don't pretend to have answers to this question, but why don't we suffer more persecution for what we believe? Is it because maybe we don't let our faith known as much as we could? We don't let Christ shine through us as much as we could? And some of you are facing persecution. I think that's awesome. I think you're growing because of it. I know through the persecution we went through over the last three years, we've grown a lot. But, but if we aren't suffering persecution, I wonder too, for myself too, is it because we look too much like the world, that we're living for the same things the world is living for? Is it because we're concerned with our careers, with our schooling, with our finances, with our retirement, uh, with our sports teams, with our political views? Is it because we are focused on all the exact same things that the world's focused on, that they look at us and they say, same thing, there's no difference? I, I don't know, guys. I honestly, I'm not coming up here to, to give you answers to that question. I just think they're important questions for us to ask ourselves. Because Jesus said, those who follow me will suffer persecution. I'm not saying, I'm not done, that's not my words, that's Jesus' words. So we have to ask ourselves those questions. Because I believe if we follow Christ, pursue him, 
not just come to church on Sunday, but I mean actively pursue him and let him live his life out through us, I believe we will face some form of persecution. It might not be the same as what the believers we work with did, or Paul or the Thessalonians, but we will suffer some form of persecution. But when that time comes, guys, we need to remember what Paul is talking about here. Because remember, in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, he said that this message, the power of the message, came from the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that lived and worked in Paul, and that same Holy Spirit that lived and worked in the Thessalonian believers, is the same Spirit that lives inside of us who have trusted in Christ as our Savior. So when the persecution comes, when the hard times come, when the suffering comes, we can stand firm. And we can endure it with joy as we let the Holy Spirit live his life out through us. And when we do that, our lives will show and it will reflect that we're living for something bigger, someone bigger and greater than us. And people will, will see that. When we let the Holy Spirit live his life out through us and it brings persecution, another thing that we read in this passage is that God will be glorified through it. And that's what we're looking for in our lives, right? That God would be glorified through our lives as believers. That should be our desire. It says in verse 8, And the word of the Lord is now ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. So, when those hard times come, just like for the Thessalonians, they were going through these hard times and this persecution, and yet, because of their reaction to it, because the Holy Spirit was living, in their, living his life out through them, the gospel was ringing out to people everywhere. That's what life is about. That's what I want my life to be about. I want the gospel to ring out from my life. You guys, I know you want the gospel to ring out from the from First Baptist of St. John's. I want the gospel to ring out from the people that we work with in Asia Pacific. I love the, 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 the word picture you get there of it ringing out because I think of a bell. How does a bell ring? Got to have something hitting against it, right? Whether it's on the inside or the outside, you got something hit. And the harder it hits, the more it rings, the louder it rings. The more it hits, the more it rings. That's like persecution in our lives. It's hard. It's not easy. It's not fun. But the more that we suffer through it with, with joy in the Holy Spirit, the more that we endure it, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, the more the gospel will ring out from our lives. And that's what we want. That's what I want. We've seen this in the church that we work with. Things have been hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been tough. It's been tough on my family. It's been tough for the, the people that we work with. They have been slandered, they've been mocked, some beat, some kicked from their homes, some abandoned by family members. You guys know about our house. Lots and lots of threats, death threats. It's been kind of a normal way of life for the last three years. It's been tough. Just like if a bell was alive and could tell you, it probably wouldn't like all the dinging it gets against it. But because of it, 
the gospel has rung out to people everywhere in our area in Asia Pacific and even over here, to you guys over here. The church grows in persecution. Us as believers, we grow in persecution. We don't like persecution. Nobody likes persecution. But the church grows in persecution, and we have seen that. I can tell you that the, the church that we work with would not have grown nearly as much without the persecution that we have gone through. But God has allowed us to go through that persecution to grow us and to make us more into his image, and that's what we want. Isn't that what we want? And when we go through that persecution, when we live out our faith, the suffering comes, the next reaction is to have a new longing for heaven. When life is comfortable, we kind of forget. That's what Paul says about the Thessalonian believers in verse 10. This is actually in the NLT. It says it this way. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. It's like people are like talking like, man, those Thessalonians, man, they want to go to heaven. They want to see Jesus. Like, like it, was, it was coming out in their lives. People could see that in the way they were acting, in the things they were doing. Guys, this is not our home. God reminded me of that very distinctly when our home was taken from us. And I remember thinking, man, this isn't fun. <laughs> My home offered me a lot of comfort. I liked at night going to my home and spending time with my family and all the memories we had there and, and having a nice place to lay down my head at night. And God reminded me, Craig, you were finding a lot of comfort in that place, but Craig, you didn't lose your home. That's not your home. That's what I say to you guys. This is not our home. This is not our home. We should be longing to be home. And I think when the suffering and the persecution comes, it makes that longing much more real. When things are going good and we're comfortable, we lack that longing. I remember talking with the believers that we work with right before we came back on this home assignment um, back in June. And we were just going through some passages of, in Revelations that we've translated for them and, and talking about when Jesus comes back, and oh man, to see the looks on their faces, they were like, oh, you know, Craig, they're like, life has really gotten a lot tougher for us since we have become believers. But man, we have this hope in heaven. Man, we can't wait. It's one day we're not going to be sick and tired anymore. Jesus is going to wipe the tears from our eyes. This, this persecution we're suffering, the, the, the strife within our families that we're suffering, is going to be gone. We're going to be standing before Jesus in complete perfection. We're not going to be dealing with this sin nature anymore. And they were literally just going, oh, they were, like, they were just like leaning back and, oh, man, I can't wait. That should be our response. That should be our, our hope in heaven. This world has little, very, very little to offer. So let's not be fixing our eyes on the world. So many times we do that. I know I do that. Who hasn't done that with, with COVID and the political situation? Man, we get our eyes fixed right down here, don't we? 
Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed on him. And remember, never, ever forget. For those of you who have trusted in Christ as your Savior, do not forget that you have the power of the living God. Same power, resurrection power. Same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living inside of you and me. That's crazy. So what is it that we can't do? What persecution can we not suffer? What, uh, what trials is there that we can't go through? What sin is there that we can't overcome if we're living by the power of the Spirit of God? We have the power to live transformed lives. And again, I am not saying we have that power in and of ourselves. I'm not saying go out and work harder, try harder. In fact, I've often joked that I'd be a horrible motivational speaker. Because apart from Christ, yeah, just give up. <laughs> There's... <laughs> There's nothing you can do. I mean, like, how do you stand up in front of people who aren't believers and motivate them? It's like, I'd have nothing. I'm not saying you can do this in and of yourselves. I'm not saying try harder, pick yourselves up by your bootstraps, work harder. What I am saying is essentially the same. I'm saying give up and get down on your knees and cry out to God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't live this life on my own. I can't defeat this sin on my own. I can't share my faith on my own, but I know you can. And I know you want to. Do it through me. And as it says in Hebrews 12 too, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Remember, Jesus, he started our salvation. He's continuing it out in us right now. And it says he is going to bring it to completion. It's all a work of God. It's not about us. It is not a work of ourselves. It is all a work of God. So why aren't we crying out to him more? We need to cry out to him more. I need to cry out to him more. And when we do, he does work in our lives. And he will work through our lives. And he will empower us. We can live victorious lives. We can defeat the sin in our lives. We can have boldness. We can have uh, perseverance in trials. We can be overcomers. And we can do all things through him who strengthens us. It's not about us. It's about putting our faith and trusting in him each and every day. Not just a one-time deal, but each and every day. We need to get down on our knees and cry out to him. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, guys. Because he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are so good. You are so strong, so mighty. And honestly, sometimes I, I, I don't think I fully understand, and I, I can't fully grasp the idea that the power of your spirit, yes, your very spirit is living inside of me, empowering me. But I pray that we would grasp that. I pray that we would understand that. And I pray that we would let you live your life out through us. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed on you. There's so many distractions here on earth. Some are bad or difficult distractions, concerning distractions. There's a lot of comfort distractions, things that are distracting us, making us more comfortable here on earth. Lord, help us to take our eyes off those things. 
put our eyes on you, fix our eyes on you. We thank you for who you are, what you've done, and who you are making us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.